You're listening to Screening in Kingston right here on CFRC. Don't forget that right now is the CFRC Funding Drive. For all the information on how you can contribute to your local radio station, visit CFRC.ca. Without help from people just like you, great programming like Screening in Kingston wouldn't be here. We know times are hard right now, but every little bit helps. Visit CFRC.ca to participate in this year's funding drive for some great prizes and so much more. And now, Screening in Kingston. Welcome to week two of our movie club and things get weirder. Thank you, Taylor. Yeah, my apologies. I, uh, I just Did you don't... know anything about this movie before you picked it? Nothing. Like, I only knew kind of what it looked like aesthetically. Um, and like, because visually, I thought this movie would be in my wheelhouse. Like, having seen stills and having seen the trailer... I thought it was going to be like Suspiria, but with models instead of dancers. And ah. it kind of was like the last 10, ten minutes of the movie. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, everything else. Yeah, so um, sorry to our listeners. I thought this was going to be very different than what it ended up being. They're, they're oddly, I mean, we'll get into the voting later, but they're oddly less upset about this movie than they were the previous one actually. that just doesn't make any sense to me <laughs> i also agree it doesn't make sense well okay, i would well, say well. i i would argue that even though this movie maybe technically wasn't as good as last week's movie i still feel like it was more accessible mm-hmm. in terms of i would i would agree yeah i would agree with that in, yeah in general terms yeah, yeah so, i would say that the first three quarters are more accessible and so yeah. you're able to like get through the first three quarters before the last quarter just kind of like comes at you like a like a bunch of bricks thrown out a window. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, there's one thing that happens. We'll get into it. There is one thing that happens before the like final act of the movie, like the third act that that I that turned me off, and we'll get there. Uh, I have a feeling I know what it was. And funnily enough, Dan <laughs> was sitting beside me, like watching this movie, kind of oh, like was he? not like not like super devoted. Like you know, sure. he was like doing other things while the movie was on. And he go, I went, oh, like just so you know, Dan, like something crazy is about to happen. I just, I just read it on Wikipedia, and he goes, and then he predicted what it was, like just like you know, like really? off the cusp, being like, oh, is she gonna do this? And I went, yep. <laughs> oh, man. wow so, good on him and, and then he was like i've seen too many movies he's like i've seen every yeah. movie that's ever existed and that's why i knew what was gonna happen so anyway yeah. um, done for me yep he's like i've seen it all now going I've back seen to the go films. all I've the talkies it. he's seen them. yep he's seen all the talkies and now he's just gonna go back to watching it's a wonderful life and yeah. he's he's done now. You know what? Uh, I crave that too. I was like, I need something like, uh, like very basic, easy a, to follow. Now, like we need a palate cleanser. That's exactly yeah. the word I'm looking yeah, for. Yeah, I I straight up like binged the newest season of The Mandalorian after this because that was just like I need something a little less. 
I don't think cerebral is the word. But... Definitely not the word. <laughs> no, not the word. Yeah, you, you needed Star Wars, though. Because, I, I like, needed Star Wars. Uh, yeah. which is the, and and the I'm only two episodes nice. into The Mandalorian, so I yeah. haven't seen the third yet. I, I usually save it, so I haven't seen the third yet. Yeah. So for our listeners um, at home, uh, it's our second week of our movie club. If you're not following along or watching along, we watched The Neon Demon this week. <laughs> and oh. I think I think with the name, like I knew, like I knew things weren't going to be as it appeared. Like I knew, like there was going to be, and I knew it was a thriller. So, guys, I have a lot of feelings about this. I know. I yeah. Well, so well, Taylor, I mean, start things like off. You know, you yeah. you you're the one who picked it, and we like to start with that. So let's just let's just dive right into it. Taylor, give us your thoughts. Give us your general thoughts on the movie, and and maybe why you picked it too. Okay, so why I did picked... you do this? <laughs> why did I? So Nicole kind of knows my aesthetic sensibilities. Oh yeah, I very much love like a good. 1980s sort of like 1970s but 1980s like if you're gonna do like if you're going to um kind of like allude to a certain era let's go all the way so Mm -hmm. number one like i with the with the neon and the (sighs) the model setup i thought this was going to be like a very like stylistically 1980s film um and in some ways it was i just wish he went all the way. Like, if you're going to commit to, like, some style choices, just set the movie in the 80s. Like, already. I think the movie would have been 100% better if it was set in the 80s. That's just my personal opinion. So, going in, I thought it was going to be, like, Suspiria, which takes place in the 70s. Um, and also, I got, like, a little bit of the Hunger vibe, Nicole. Yes. Oh, my right? gosh. Yeah. Which is a 100%. 1980s vampire movie. Dan and I, <laughs> at one point, we're going to do spoilers this episode, too, right? Yes, sorry, I should have yeah. said that. All, all episodes, but we'll say it each week for the movie club is spoilers because I think you you have to to talk about these films. Yeah. So the scene where Sarah, like, early on in the movie or maybe halfway through the movie, I don't know, like, essentially like licks the blood off of Jesse's hand. I went, oh, like Dan goes, oh, so is it like vampire models? And both of us were like, this movie would be so great if it was about vampire models. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so like things happened where I'm like, yeah, if this is the way they're going. This is going to be good. You know what I mean? But like it wasn't consistent. Yeah. If, you know what? what i'm trying to say like, yeah absolutely as like, someone who has someone who who also sat in front of a television while this movie played and didn't really <laughs> absorb much but just kind of sat there i 100 know what you're talking mm-hmm. about yeah so like i there were things that i thought were going to happen that i'm like okay i can get on board with this but then right. they didn't commit to it mm-hmm. um and they didn't do it like the way that I would have done. We talk about this all the time, Mike. How like <laughs> if we were movie makers, <laughs> we would have do done that. it this yeah. way. Like I have no problem with a movie that is about vampiric models. Like if that's what you're gonna do, or like or a cult that yeah. preys upon the beauty of like virgins in order to stay within the modeling industry. Again. No problem with that. That would have been a great movie. Yeah. Let's just commit action. to it. Yeah, action, roll the film. We're making them. That's the movie we're making. But like, it wasn't the movie that was made. 
And, like, I don't know what it was trying to say. Like, it wasn't... <laughs> wasn't well, anything interesting, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, it was, like, a thriller for the th- first three quarters. And then it turned into a horror movie, like, the last quarter. But, like, for what reason? And mm. Keanu Reeves... What? Yeah, whatever. Yeah, that was so random. <laughs> and I really like Keanu. I mean, we yeah. talk about him all the time on the show. Obviously, I'm a big fan. I don't think he did a bad job, but sometimes this happens where like a very notable actor is cast in a role and it like takes you out of the movie. Like I was like, oh Keanu. And Dan was like, Yeah, look at him, like John Wick. Like <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> And it's like, that's not even remotely the part he's playing in this movie. But because I'm like, anyways, yeah. So that was weird casting. I don't know if you guys agreed. I thought it was a little... It's more of a novelty for me. I was like, oh, look, Keanu Reeves. And it's he's just he's just got a deep voice and he's angry. And he's a predator just like every other man in this movie. Sorry, yeah. guys, but it's true. And like, yeah, it wasn't anything... I don't know. I was just annoyed the whole time. And I was watching it with my partner and she was like, what is this movie? Why does it exist? But I will say it was absolutely beautiful. Like some of it could have been like, I understand the director is colorblind. So that's why it's so high contrast. Mm. Um, And yeah, it's definitely, I thought it was beautiful. And Taylor, I'm totally in the same boat as you. Like I, when I first saw this movie, when it came out, I was like, this is so going to be like eighties, like, Neon, hopefully be, there's some synth. It's going to be know. the hunger, but with models. Like that's, like, that's what I thought it was going to be. And that's why, I like, stylistically, I'm like, yep, 100% on board. This is the same director who did um, Drive. Yeah. And, like, I really, like, heavy synth soundtrack with Drive. Like, a lot of, like, ode to the 80s. Like, I enjoyed Drive. You know what? It would have made more sense if the role of the motel owner was Ryan Gosling. He would have done well at that. Oh. Yeah, I would have. But... Sorry, go ahead, Tyler. I was just going to say, yeah, it's like uh, Keanu Reeves like, showing up actually kind of reminded me of the surprise Matt Damon in Interstellar, which was like a, a big thing that happened in that movie where like it, it's revealed later on that this character that everyone's talking about is actually Matt Damon. And like when he shows up, like it takes me like a full like five minutes to get back into the movie because I'm just too busy being surprised. Like, oh, it's this person. <laughs> yeah, that's how I felt with the motel owner. Like it just it, was like weird. Yeah. <laughs> and with Christina Hendricks too, I'm like, oh, she's here for a minute and then yeah. she never comes back. Yeah. Okay. All right. I Whatever. For, but again, knowing that she was in drive. That like made more sense to me. Oh, like, I'm like, that. this is like he's using similar. He is considered like an auteur. And like when it's yeah. like when it's an auteur and I see the actors that are in a, their other movies, to me, it doesn't take it out of the movie because that's like a marker that this is like a certain, like this is the director, if you know what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Whereas mm-hmm. like I haven't seen a lot of his movies. I don't think Keanu is like one of his like repertoire actors. Am no, I wrong? I that way. No, like, I don't think he, yeah, so, and this movie came out, what, like, 2016? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, so what was Keanu even doing then? He was doing the John Wick movies, right? Yeah, I I think the first one would have come out around that time. So, again, it just seems like a weird, like, he was laying dormant 
and then decided he was gonna like make this was his moment this was his moment (laughs) which is unfortunate because you like you know he does a good job in the role like in terms of what the role needs to be is like he definitely brings that level of like strange intensity and i think that his kind of entry his jarring entry into the movie is softened a little bit that immediately afterwards we're treated to an actual cougar in a is like in a in a hotel room so like yeah is there like keon i'm like no wait what's going on over here now that's kind of what like because i i had the same feeling initially about keanu and even like christina Hendricks and like seeing these actors that i know but then almost instantaneously i was like well something really weird just happened so i don't care anymore yeah. like now i'm trying to focus on this and i'm hoping there's going to be answers and then was very disappointed when there were no answers right yeah. i took the liberty of doing some reading as i like to do about the director and like just hearing them speak about the the movies mm-hmm. and I did not like his answers to any of the questions. Um, not to say anything very controversial, but he's like Danish, isn't he? Yeah, he is. <laughs> the I'm Danes, gonna, I'm the not Danes gonna... are strange, strange. directors. I, I would never see, like, I like a Scandinavian vibe in a movie. I feel like. It, like, Scandinavian film is okay with being quiet and very visual, like we talked about last week, and, like, we're probably going to talk about this week, too, but just his ideas about, and he also runs with, like, Lars von Trier and uh, Gaspar Noe, and Gaspar Noe, who I hate, helped him cast, like, Elle Fanning's boyfriend in this movie. Mm. Um, I actually liked Elle Fanning's boyfriend in this movie. I did, too, especially since I've only seen him in Love, which is, like, Porn. I don't yeah. know if you guys have seen porn, the, uh, love. I have not. I have not seen love. <laughs> <laughs> but, I do. Read <laughs> but anyway, uh, yeah. So he was. He just had a lot of. He was like, you know, women hold so much power over their beauty, and they hold power over men because of their beauty, and that's what happens in this movie. And I'm like, no, no, that's not what happens in this movie. <laughs> It's like, when does that happen in the movie? It, it, truly, it doesn't. He must have, and I also read that they sh- they were shooting um, chronologically, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, I'm an auteur. I'm I'm making art like as I go." He quoted himself as saying, "I'm glamour. I'm vulgarity. I'm scandal. I'm gossip. I'm the future. I'm the counterculture. I'm the commercial reality. I'm artistic singularity." And I'm like, he quoted himself. So he's yeah. talking about himself, yeah. Oh, oh, I see. <laughs> it's funny because like all of that quote is summarized by the fact that he has like a signature, like the NWR logo yes. that he puts at the beginning of his movies. Oh and as God. soon as I saw that, I'm like, oh. oh. <laughs> this right. is what we're in oh, no. for. Yeah. But he I just, just, yeah, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead, Nicole. No, go ahead, Taylor. I don't know. I don't even have any. <laughs> I, I don't have just like this movie you don't have much to say lost all energy like, i don't right. even yeah. know this i don't, I don't know guys <laughs> i don't know and, it, and he, he goes he's like there's no difference between how a male photographer or a female photographer would tell models to go away or stay and i'm like mm. but 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 you're not doing yourself a favor also anything that's everything that's in your movie right now is telling me that like Okay, men are the dictators. Of, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm going in this direction. Men, Go for are it. The, men are the dictators of how the fashion industry goes in this movie. I'm not saying. I mean, it's very patriarchal and misogynistic. This movie, in my opinion, yep. and um, for him to not even acknowledge that 
his film doesn't do anything to empower women. In fact, it makes it reduces women to just being particularly these models to just being things to look at pretty things to look at. And the fact that, you know, what a woman is, you know, when Elle Fanning is first starting to model, she's very kind of um, subdued, almost innocent and not very proud of her look I mean she she she's just doing the job but the more she gains confidence in her abilities the more of a threat she becomes not only like specifically to other women and that to me is is like number one patriarchy you know you 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 pit women against each other for things that are completely like out of their control because you know beauty is cheap and and completely luck based and I just think that it was just such a just like what a waste i don't even have a problem if you want to like comment on the fact that um the only currency women possess is their youth and beauty that's like a that's a statement you can make and that's not necessarily anti-woman that's just the reality of the female experience Mm -hmm. so if that's where he wanted to go just get rid of all the guys in the movie The movie would have been so interesting if it was just a predominantly female cast, Um, men kind of just being on the periphery, you know, like voyeurs looking in. Don't have a problem with that. That has something to say, too. I would have loved just to see sort of the dynamics of the film with the men taken out. Again, and if he was really going to roll with sort of that... um, beauty as danger or beauty as currency um he really should have just ran with the vampiric theme from the beginning well how do we feel then if uh i mean again this is getting into i don't know but how do you feel how would you feel about uh, a a man telling this kind of story at this point about a woman's experience and like how beauty is and I'm not I I agree with you Taylor I do think that that still holds you know beauty is is currency in this world but you know how do you feel about a man being like yes this is how women operate in the world as opposed to a woman telling the story do you know what I mean I mean I don't I've said it before on the show I'm not maybe I'm a, a bad feminist in the sense that I don't really care when men tell stories especially when it comes to like horror film I mean Mm. I'm I'm not really like I don't really pay attention to who writes the 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 story who writes the scripts who directs Mm. what I do take offense with is this cohort of Scandinavian male director (laughs) like it made once you told me that he's buddies with Lars von Trier I'm like oh well yeah that checks out so I guess it's like it's not so much men telling female stories Mm -hmm. like I mean I agree I I know where you're going you're you're not pushing me but you're trying to have me acknowledge that women should be telling female stories which is which is true and it would have been interesting to see a female director um work with this subject matter mm-hmm. but at the end of the day i don't mind male, male directors kind of spearheading um stories like this but i mm-hmm. know just like based on interviews with Lars von Trier and it sounds like maybe this director and what's his, he has like a a three name it's like what ralph What's um, the name of the director? Oh, name. Nicholas Winding Refn? 
Yeah, right. Ralph. I'm just gonna yeah. call him Ralph for sure. Ralph works. Um, <laughs> Ralph. If he has right. like similar political views and like sort of like gender views as Lars von Trier, it's like, well, pff, yeah, men like that should yeah. not be telling these stories. Yeah. And I, and that's sorry, just like that's literally like, like you were saying, he wasn't doing himself any favors. I don't even need to like, ex- I'm not even being like a shrew by saying like, oh, he hates women. Like these men are like interviewed at major film festivals and they say just like crazy stuff. Yeah. Like, and I think that like you, you kind of hit it on the head there, Taylor, where you're talking about the, the execution. I mean, it doesn't, at least to me, I mean, it doesn't matter if, um, uh, who tells a story and and who writes the story and who directs it, so long as it's well executed, which this wasn't, and there wasn't anything beyond the surface, and he's making a lot of odd claims and directions in this movie that I'm still kind of like, I don't know if the message even got through what he was trying to say. So if that, add that into whatever he's saying in interviews, which is not either not good or is not helping the film out in any way. Well then yeah, maybe he, he was the wrong choice. I mean, I don't know. Again, this is a great question because I don't know if there's like a clear answer to this question. And I think each person's going to have their own opinion on that. Just for me, I'm kind of like, Taylor, maybe I pay a little more attention to who directs and, and writes because I like to like track people's careers. Yeah. But I don't care if if a, if it's a male director telling a female story, a female director telling a male story, someone who doesn't fit into to male and female identity. They have another identity and they're telling a story. I don't. It doesn't matter to me if it's well executed. If it's if it's tells a cohesive story. If it has rich characters, that's kind of what I'm looking. And it for. has something interesting to say and. Like, this movie didn't have anything interesting to say. Like, aside from it being, like, visually interesting, the one of the critiques of the film, and it's a critique that I share, all of the characters are underdeveloped, male or female. Like, poor writing, right? Like, that just, like... I don't know. Like it's it was disappointing. Um, I don't follow this director close enough to kind of have like super strong feelings about his body of work. I did see Drive, and I did enjoy Drive. Um, just visually, I thought this movie was going to be something different than it was. And maybe if I had followed the director more closely, I would have been able to anticipate what kind of movie this would be. But. Um, well too late right like like it it is what it is i watched it it was not the movie that i hoped it would be um i would say that it was kind of vapid but maybe that's a critique about the world of fashion that you know fashion is vapid i don't i don't know there's this whole like monologue where the fashion designer is explaining how um it's a male fashion designer and he's saying um beauty is the only thing like nothing yeah and i think he was saying i don't even think that was like a like for females i think that was just like a point blank statement like man or woman beauty is the only thing and then um the then the boyfriend of jesse the main character says well i don't agree with you i think it's what's inside that counts and it just felt like it felt so corny it felt so corny and it's like yeah i also didn't know who the director like who was speaking on the behalf of the director like 
does the director share the views of that fashion designer or is he like the really corny boyfriend who's like it's what's inside i don't like it just it wasn't none of the characters were developed enough for me to know kind of who was the mouthpiece for the thesis of the movie if you know what i'm trying to say like Mm -hmm. um like, I don't know who the character was supposed or I don't know who the the viewer was supposed to sympathize with. It certainly wasn't Jesse. Like, was it the boyfriend? But you don't see the boyfriend again after a, like a certain point in the movie. Like, I don't know. It was just like weird. It was like <laughs> there wasn't any meat to the movie. Yeah, it was. It's definitely like a um. It's like if we're saying it's like it's very like scarce on the meat and very heavy on the glaze. Um, there's it's uh, it's funny that listening to um, Nicholas Winding Refn's like is like interviews. Um, it seems to me like he doesn't know what movie he made, and maybe that's because right. he actually co-wrote this with two women, and the cinematographer was a woman, and they were busy making another movie <laughs> that is very he different. Knew what movie they wanted to make? Yeah, yeah. it's like, and so then. <laughs> You do get this weird thing where, like, in the script, I do think there is, like, a very clear push that there is a male-dominated system that is, like, commoditizing Mm -hmm. women as both, like, this weird, like, in order to basically fulfill this strange biological, like, system, like, they keep on referring to women as, like, a combination of, like, food and sex. And it is this strange, like, very sad and annoying system. And every male in it, except for the boyfriend... Um, is kind of like a overseer of this and they're uh, directly Mm -hmm. benefiting from it and that scene where the art director goes on this long tirade about how he how he's an artist and how he does like i took that to be like very like sarcastic i'm supposed to be rolling my eyes at this guy but hearing the director say the same thing Mm -hmm. makes me wonder like oh my god was he is is he sympathizing with this dude i'm like i'm looking at this now just like looking at like did you not know what movie you were making and um i i I start to wonder if he did or not because tonally tonally the movie's all over the place like Mm -hmm. the tone of this movie is all over Mm -hmm. the place and and it, it i mean i think we've talked a little bit about that like you know, third, the third act, the final act of the movie is kind of like really where it totally shifts. But I just find that like it goes from serene, quiet and, and, and shots held on people like you expect in very artsy moments to like ridiculous speeches that seem over the top. But it, again, like you're saying, if, if taken in context of if they're serious, it makes the movie really weird, like and, and like very oddly artsy in a way that to me. I think what I'm trying to say is like the, the tones were hitting me in different ways. I didn't know whether or not I was supposed to roll my eyes, find this interesting, find this weird, or be sitting here going, yeah, you go artist. You're so tortured. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's like, um, yeah, so then maybe instead of talking about Nicholas Winding Refn, because he's a little bit of a ding dong, we can talk about uh, the cinematographer, uh, Natasha Breyer. Um, so a cinematographer or director of photography is the person that's in charge of the lenses and lighting and basically the visual look of the movie. And I think that is probably the strongest aspect of this movie. Um, similar to Under the Skin, when we were talking about mm-hmm. the idea that sometimes it's not what you're saying, but how you're saying it. When you start talking about a movie about the modeling industry, we all, I think, go in with understandings of what the theme should be about the kind of commoditization of beauty, the male gaze, all that sort of aspect. Um but then how this movie is presented, I think, is actually at least started out pretty like pretty strong. 
um, specifically with the like mm-hmm. the lighting choices that don't feel like ambient lighting as much as like the entire set is like bathed in neon glows. Um, the strobe effects that we see is like at the during this weird presentation of this like almost like demonic, like abstract art presentation. How the show, cool. the just yeah, from a plot point of view, if mm. this was the movie I thought it was going to be, how cool would that be if that was like an an initiation? You yeah. know, like if they yeah. had run with this sort of occult theme throughout, like that's why like. There are markers in the film that I liked. And I, Tyler, you're talking about kind of like the look of the film. And I wish that the plot matched what was happening on screen. That would mm. be yeah. my opinion. Sorry to interject, but... No, no, that's that's very true. And I think the weakest part of the movie for me is this uh, Ruby character um, who's supposed to be at the end revealed to be some sort of like witch like a cult person yeah because of the tattoos that she has is like um and the like very strange ritual that she performs totally yeah i remember that i just i totally missed that that was the that was the point yeah and that's the thing right like i feel like this movie was had the potential to really work allegorically if not literally and um but they lost their nerve and then had to provide some sort of reasoning so they they went on like a tried and true like ah a cult witch sort of thing but you didn't do it throughout so it feels weak and tacked Mm -hmm. on at the end yeah it seems kind of thrown in then because i definitely didn't get any sense of that leading up to it like i knew there was an air of i'm not 100 sure what's going on but that type of thing was not what i picked up on throughout the film yeah, I, 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 I agree with what you, you guys are saying for sure. And I think like just thinking more about um, if it's okay to my question of like, you know, is it okay that a dude wrote this story about the experience of women in, in this industry and like women moving throughout the world. But I think that you guys bring up a really good point because, you know, everything else about the movie besides the script goes in this direction that's kind of like that's not making I don't know what I'm trying to say I agree with you guys I mean I I guess it to me it comes down to like maybe the director was too almost too heavy-handed and didn't didn't collaborate with his Mm -hmm. collaborators because you know yeah what you're saying about the cinematography and just um and the director of photography who was kind of in charge of the look of everything like yeah that this movie could have been completely different then it would have been fine to just you know if you if he went there like if he went in the real horror direction this could have made some really interesting points about you know beauty in the the currency of beauty in the world um but yeah he was just like to me exactly what you're saying is this kind of the same revelation that that i had last week was that's a director's job and it's not being accomplished because the director to me is the central point who brings in the collaboratory creates the world but then you know for lack of a better word creates the world for others to play in and the cinematography was really really good and there were other aspects of this movie that were good so there were there were i think voices and artists who came in and did really well in this world but i don't think he did a very good job communicating to those around him to those outside to watching in in doing that so to answer your kind of question and point in this particular 
case, I think he was the wrong person to tell this story, regardless right. of writing it and directing it. Like, he was clearly the wrong person. Whether a, another right. male could have done it better, whether female, I, I don't I don't know. But I think in terms right. of what you're saying, in this particular instance, yeah, he was probably the wrong person to, to do this. Because the cinematographer who we pointed out, I, I believe Tyler said cinematographer is female. Yep. I think she had a better sense. Well, yeah, so she had a better there. sense as to what to show and how to show it and, and this yeah. world, because the cinematography to me told a better story than the, than the script. Did. Yes. Well, I feel like even yes. the script, because the script was co-written with two women, one of whom was like a playwright from London. And I feel like any of the portions of the movie that feel like they're trying to point the, the finger back at this male gazy system. I wonder if that's from them. Um, well, pro- because, probably because for me, like the uh, like, Anything I think good. Mike and I have a little bit of a difference in terms of what we think a director is supposed to be. Like for me, a director isn't necessarily about clarity, even though like a lot of movies require clarity. I think some thrive better in ambiguity. But for me, like a director is supposed to be about tonal management, so that like everything, every part of the movie is kind of working together towards a similar goal. And that I feel a sense, lot of yeah. I feel a lot of dissonance between the different portions of this movie. Like there were com- you know, like competing voices that were actually like f- like kind of pushing in different directions, and the director either wasn't aware of this because he was so like uh, sure of himself, yeah, that he was very certain <laughs> yeah. that he was doing the right thing. Um, or he was, is like, he was going for that. And if he was, then it, uh, it backfired badly. Because <laughs> then the ending would have made yeah. sense. You know, the whole like, oh, we're eating her to get her youth and right. beauty and whatever. It would have made more sense if that's like the point you're trying to make from the beginning. But it just felt like, you know, he was trying to make that point. I think the way through, maybe because like I come from, uh, like a horror background and walking into the movie thinking that this movie was going to be one thing. I knew that that was what he was trying to do. Like even in this scene when they're in the bathroom talking about food and sex. Yeah. The red rum like, me- yeah. is like a reference to <laughs> the shining yeah. was kind of like, yeah, it was like, Oh, like I knew. So like, I, <laughs> I don't know like if he was using like horror influence is but like i'm like yeah this is a horror movie like i knew early on but then kind of what you guys were saying earlier about like he didn't have the nerve to go there or maybe he didn't feel like he had to go there but in my opinion the movie would have been much better if he had just committed to those like the story was not confusing to me everything that he was doing made sense i just didn't necessarily agree with his execution if like i don't think i don't know what i'm trying to say i mean well like like, yeah no i feel like you guys um i agree with the tonally didn't add up but i wasn't i don't think the ending is as odd as you guys are making it out to be Hmm. like the ending made sense to me like that was the in context of of this particular film and the way it was set up that ending made sense to you yeah i knew either they were going to be vampires or they were going to be witches within like the first 20 minutes of the movie yeah the suspiria as like influence definitely would have like pushed that which like uh the suspiria is like is very much one of those things where like right off the bat you're like oh 
something's wrong. Witches. Yeah, like yeah, something's and, wrong. <laughs> and I think this movie, like the quintessential scene for that, as you said, is the bathroom sequence where uh, uh, Elle Fanning's character first meets the other two models and they're all talking and they're all talking once again about this idea of like food or sex and like with a like imposed like the lip stick. And um, they eventually get to the point where they're like trying is like going th- is like going through and kind of talking about this. And it's very like like very horror movie in the way that there's kind of like this like uh, this subtext this really intense foreshadowing language yeah but then at one point one of the characters literally just goes and spells it out like exactly this is why we don't like you because we're worried about these things and i'm like oh okay so i was like are you one of those movies where you trust your audience are you one of those ones where you're like no my audience is not very smart and i need to make sure that they (laughs) yeah like i don't i just i guess my critique of the movie is more like a the ending didn't make sense i agree like the ending could have made more sense so that's why like i just wish he had committed to the horror themes throughout so the Mm -hmm. whole fact that ruby um obviously we know she's a witch at the end or whatever like whatever she is practices like sex magic whatever um and so you're like oh that makes sense why she works at a morgue Right. Yeah. So like that could have been elaborated on in the film. I guess like, you know, it's like anything else when people wish like going into it, same with a book or a movie, people always want what they like represented in the film. Right. So like because I love occultism and film and like witches and vampires and I could identify those themes in the film right away. I just wish that there was more of it. And if there was more of it, I probably would have liked the movie a lot more. Like, I feel like you guys were like, this movie was horrible. Whereas I'm like, I saw where it was going. Just wish that they committed more to it. And that's why I didn't like it. Yeah. Yeah. For for the record, I don't think this yeah. movie is horrible. I would I would describe my feeling toward it as ambivalent. Like, really strong ambivalence. Which is like when you have like very strong and opposing views in opposite direction because I do really love the aesthetic. I did really enjoy what I was perceiving as this kind of critique of a male dominated system uh, throughout the first three quarters, um, which apparently it might've been an endorsement of, but you know, <laughs> uh, it's like, just you can't, you, you give people the benefit of the doubt and look what it does to you. <laughs> but, um, but at the same time, yeah, I, I do feel for me, the, uh, the occult aspect wasn't uh, clear from the beginning. And when it came in at the end, it felt kind of like a rush job of trying to be like, you see, this is the reason. And I'm like, I didn't really need a reason. I just needed kind of a mechanic and uh, a mechanism. And yeah. I don't think I got it. Yeah, I agree with that. I also enjoyed the visuals. I was here for that, here for the soundtrack. But yeah, I mean, I I agree with you, Tyler. And I I also do agree with you, Taylor, as much as it may not seem like I do. But um, it could have, I just wish it was more committed to whatever it was trying to do what it seemed like it was trying to do something witchy or occulty like you say um but i didn't think that there was enough of it for me to um find that everything added up the way i guess i wanted it to i mean that's just it like i would have done this differently this is not of course it's not my movie we're just here <laughs> other people's movies. That's, that's why we have a podcast and we're not yeah. uh filmmakers 
Yeah, there, yeah. If we were filmmakers, there'd be a lot more Star Trek out there. I'll tell you that much. Um, this right. is a good time. This is a good time to jump into some of our fans' thoughts because they actually do hit upon a few of these themes, and I'd be interested to see what everyone here thinks about them because some of their comments were actually slightly more positive um, than what we're thinking. But mm-hmm. here, let me uh, let me dive into a few, and we'll we'll talk about them. We have three people who wrote in quite a bit uh, about the movie. Um, so we've got first, our, our thoughts come from Lily. Um, Lily says, I thought this uh, film was a bit more of a mixed bag for me than Under the Skin. I just didn't like Under the Skin, but the Neon Demon, I was more just unsure how I felt about the movie as a whole. I love the cinematography. I actually thought it was beautiful to watch. And I enjoyed how the sound very and very much the lighting design of the movie was subtle at times and impactful at others. I really liked uh, the blue triangle versus the red triangle, showing the blue at the start for Jesse's innocence and then the red as she became more absorbed into the L.A. modeling world. However, I found the story a bit lacking and I was at times unsure as to where things were going um, and never really felt it at dread for the characters or a sense of focus until the very end of the movie, which I think, again, was well shot, but that was about it. Uh, this movie looked very beautiful to me, but it was lacking something more than that. So to me, it was very, very a surface movie. Could that be the point of the movie? I don't know. But for me, this was a very middle ground movie. So Lily bringing up the point of could the surfaceness be the point in there? I don't know. I think but that's yeah, giving I mean, the director too much credit. <laughs> probably. <laughs> I agree. Lily's interpreting this a little more deeply than the director did. I also <laughs> want to agree with Lily in that... Um, you really don't feel bad for anything that happens in the film. Like, like what ha- ends up happening to Jesse because of maybe because it's underdeveloped or because we see her kind of spiraling into vanity. Like, I don't right. care that she dies at the end and gets eaten and gets eaten. Same. And I didn't really yeah. like, I didn't really feel invested in Ruby's story. I really, I, Felt for Sarah. I think Sarah gave the actress who played Sarah. Um, I think she had a lot of nuance, like the the scene where she's at the casting call. I yeah. think she did a really one like a. I would go hazard to say even beautiful. Like you can really see the pain of what she's going through. I think Sarah, even though she maybe has the least amount of screen time, is the most sympathetic character. But everyone else, I'm like. I liked I liked the boyfriend because he seemed wholesome and like just wanted what was best for Jesse. Like, you know what I mean? Like he was just, you know, I don't know how old he was. Um, and Jesse's only supposed to be 16. So that was a little icky at one point. But overall, I would say Sarah and the boyfriend, Dean, who is called Bean at one point. I thought that was really funny. Your yeah. name's Bean? No, my name's <laughs> Dean, <laughs> that was <laughs> that was great. That was a great part of the movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I really agree with Lily that like there aren't a lot of stakes when it comes to the emotional investment in these characters. You're kind of just like, okay, they're models. It's like it it really plays on that. Um, most people don't like models, like that that cliche that models are vapid and yeah. annoying, and they're they're paid to be beautiful. So why do we care if they end up getting their legs broken at the bottom of a swimming pool? Yeah. Yeah. I'll definitely agree that like, um, I found that Sarah was like, her story was probably the most like heart wrenching, especially like that. She has this, 
um, speech she gives in the bathroom um, to Elle Fanning after that very terrible uh, like uh, walk interview. Um, and she's asking her, like, what does it feel like to be like the this like radiance where it's like where you walk into a room and it's winter and then suddenly you bring the sun and it just i i've really felt for her as like in that moment so and probably the only character that i truly felt for uh throughout in a way she was almost she wasn't positioned as the main character the protagonist or the hero but the fact that she wins in the end i kind of felt good for her i'm like you go (laughs) you go little witch (laughs) go get your next young model to eat to butcher and eat also would like to point out that lily continues to be very insightful i didn't really enjoy that uh blue to red transition in the triangles uh throughout is um as well as kind of like those triangles in general they kind of almost represented kind of to me like the inside of a of a diamond or a prism um -hmm. there's like prisms like like refract light inside themselves it's like uh, so that it just kind of like is uh, a never-ending reflection of light within and there's one point where Elle Fanning is compared to a diamond amongst glass. And there's a lot yeah. of like mirrors going mm. on as like outside of it. So I did feel like that diamond motif and that prism specifically when she's doing the runway walk and she like walks into this like red prism and is looking at her reflection like all around her in these triangles. It's like a and she's I, kissing I, I really herself. Like, I, yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, um, I, I, I thought got, that was so a beautiful another... a beautiful shot. It was. I've got another uh, thought here from a fan that, that is really interesting, actually, because I, di- I didn't see this interpretation. So I'm really interested to see if, if three of you kind of saw this. So this is from Jamie. Okay, so Jamie writes and says, I'm really glad to that you're all talking about the Neon Demon this week. It's been a really long time uh, since I thought about this movie, but it created a lot of discussion within my friend's group. I'm curious to see how you all felt about the symbolism in the film. This is something my friends didn't really agree with, but I thought I saw throughout the movie. I really thought the film seemed to be focused on the dive into evil, starting off with Jessie, uh, a very innocent girl being symbolically dragged into hell. That's where uh, I, uh, sorry, Uh, That's where I felt the movie went for me, is that a character being literally dragged into hell by demons. I'm very specifically talking about Ruby, who mentions she's staying at a house that isn't hers, that no one lives in, and I took this to be purgatory. This film to me was the story of an innocent soul being tempted by very types of demons, brought into purgatory, and then dragged into hell. Now again, I know that I got a lot of pushback from my friends, and this is only my interpretation, and my friends thought that it was a little bit more literal to the modeling industry here in Los Angeles, but um, that's not how I saw the film. I'm just wondering to think if any of you interpreted it the same way I did. No. (laughs) (laughs) I also did not, but I can see where she would think that, because um, one of, like, the good things and the bad things about this movie is because it's the direction is so unclear that you can really interpret it a few ways. So I guess he did himself a service in that way. So I can definitely see where she's coming from on that. Well, there's definitely like a a descent aspect, like the idea of like a person coming from like a small town is like, who is like, is uh, kind of loved for her apparent innocence um, or purity or whatever, like all those traits that are like a trade that are attributed to like the snow whites of the world. And then, watching that slowly like uh change and become more narcissistic to the point that she's like literally staring into an empty it's like swimming pool um it's like and being like it's like almost being able to see her reflection in, the, in it even though there's no water um 
I'm not really sure if I saw it in more of like a, in like a cosmological sense of like from like being dragged into like the underworld. Um, but I could definitely see that there is a, de- a decline in this person's uh, Yeah, you can kind of see the like innocent changing. You could kind of see that. But I, yeah, I don't know about the sort of like literal representations of purgatory and hell. I didn't really read that either. I was so excited when she's talking to Ruby and she goes, um, you know, I'm more um, capable than I look or something along those lines. And I thought, yes, great. We're going to see some witch biz happening very soon. <laughs> and then we didn't. <laughs> and, there's, and then there's another, not not so much a monologue, but there, I think it's when she's standing on the pool um, and she says, you know, my mother always told me I was a dangerous girl. And again, I'm like, yes, finally, witch biz. And um, <laughs> again, no, nothing. So I guess I like really was relying sort of on a literal interpretation, like how I would go in watching a horror movie where you take everything at face value that even though these things are supernatural or otherworldly, they do exist within the world of this film. So I kept waiting for it to take a turn. Um, and again, I I guess because it to me felt so much like Sus- Suspiria and the new Suspiria, um, the one that came out, I guess, a couple years, a couple years ago now, maybe two years ago now. Um, mm-hmm. She appears the lead um, to Dakota. What's her? Uh, Dakota Johnson. Johnson. She appears um, innocent and similar parallels to L, you know, um, very, um, naturally gifted but very innocent and comes from sort of this very sheltered world but in the end you actually realize she's the catalyst for evil like within the 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 narrative so i was waiting for that to happen with l with l's jesse in this film like i didn't read Mm. it as sort of a descent in well a descent into darkness yes but more of an acknowledgement of something that was inherently evil within her already that was right. just like laying yeah. dormant. And I, again, I felt like they were giving me crumbs um, as like a horror movie buff to be like, yep, she's evil. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then the, them not following through. So again, it was like I was watching two movies, like mm-hmm. the horror movie and then just mm-hmm. sort of like a maybe the allegorical movie that um, Jamie, right, Mike? That's Jamie who wrote Jamie. it. Yeah. yeah. So um I can see kind of how Jamie was getting a lot of symbolism out of it. Whereas I was taking it as like a literal sort of horror narrative. Um, right. But yeah. because like we've been saying, this movie was so disjointed and tonally all over the place. It makes sense that it was like Jamie and I were watching two different movies. Right. Of course. Yeah. Yep. Um, the last kind of fan thought here is just kind of more of an open-ended question um, from Colt. We've kind of talked about this a little bit, but maybe we'll just kind of get our, our final thoughts on it. Um, Colt says that uh, he didn't he didn't like the movie. Um, he felt he <laughs> even understood it less than last week what? when he thought, "Oh, under yeah." He said, he said under, oh. "Victory." He's like. <laughs> He's like under the. He said hour. under the skin was a film that I really didn't seem to understand, and I was like, okay, well maybe that's just one movie where I don't know what's going on. But then I watched, <laughs> then I watched the Neon Demon and thought, nope, I really don't know what's going on. With this movie. <laughs> um, he, he wanted to know from us. Uh, he wanted to ask the full team. He says. Um, 
that what uh, what we think about the role and responsibility of a director is to his audience when making a film. So that's what Colt wants to know is like, what's the responsibility? Does the director have a responsibility to those watching the film? We've talked about this on the show before, Mike, um, how I would, there's obviously that I would say there's more than one school of thought, but I think you can kind of summarize the argument into two schools of thought where there's sort of the auteur where the director's role is to um, craft a story, but driven by their 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 own vision right so sort of art for art's sake that auteur sort of filmmaking and then there's another school of thought that says you know film is it certainly is art but it's also escapism it's um it's entertainment so the role of the director is to craft sort of an enjoyable story that um uh, the the audience can kind of enter into, but the director kind of holds our hand to help us um, understand what's going on in film. I would say with this director and him coming from a, this kind of the Danish school of filmmaking or the Scandinavian school of filmmaking, he certainly sees film and maybe I, I shouldn't say certainly I might be putting words in his mouth, but um, based on some of his quotes, I think I'm right. He certainly sees film as art for art's sake. So it's his job to make a piece of art and screw you if you don't understand what I'm trying to say essentially yeah and that that's where i've always disagreed with with artists and directors about that because to me what is art like is the thing i always start with and usually most people will give answers about expression um self-expression exploration but to me in order to express something and to explore something there has to be understanding that comes along with it whether that's self-understanding or outwardly i mean i guess that's open for interpretation but if you're just spewing nonsense that's not art to me it's just nonsense. Now, maybe he understands it, but I still think if you're going to create something, mass produce it and put it out there, I think there is a certain element of how do I express this in a way where others also pick up on the interpretation that I have. Um, Tyler, Nicole, either of you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I think, uh, I think overall a director's job is kind of to – you're, I don't think that you necessarily need to hold your audience's hand, but you definitely need to take, and you also have to be very aware of who you bring onto your team. You know, it's such a collaborative process. Um, and I think that the job of the director is to take everybody's strengths and amplify them to meet um, the end goal, which is generally the director's end goal. But I think they need to be clear about the end goal, whether or not you, you know, you want like under the scan I think that they they came together to create something and it was very co coherent and cohesive I mean cohesive not coherent <laughs> I don't know but um the point is I I felt like everybody in behind the scenes was on the same page I didn't I understand that you you're not wanting your audience to know absolutely everything you don't have to hold their hand um but I could see the end goal of everybody on on that team whereas this one I didn't see that. So I think that that's incredibly well important. Very well said. Um, uh, Tyler? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, like I've definitely gone back and forth on where I where I land on this sort of idea of like what a director's like uh kind of what they owe the audience in terms of uh, understanding. Um for me a large portion of why I enjoy some of my favorite movies is because I don't understand them, but I feel that there's something to be understood and I kind of enjoy the digging. Um with this one I do feel it it wasn't like that. I felt like I knew kind of the idea that was being presented, but it was being presented um Le- like less good than I would have I would have enjoyed <laughs> like otherwise so I am very happy with directors that decide that they want to be ambiguous that they don't strive for clarity that instead they strive for a personal truth that then I can dig into if I want but uh, I want that personal truth to be something that feels competently made and with it's like with uh, intent mm-hmm. um, and when there's something that feels like it was just made haphazardly and and uh, perhaps dissonantly amongst the different uh, groups then that's when i start to feel uh that i i lose a little bit of yeah. like of respect for the people that were making it um we're, we're just at the end of the episode here so i i just want to quickly get our our ratings um for the film so we'll just go around and, and kind of give your ratings I, I i would give this movie a skip it um just because i i really didn't feel that uh, it was it was getting across things to me. I thought it was visually stun- stunning, but I I didn't enjoy the ending, and there were too many weird things that happened in the movie that I just didn't think make any uh, sense. Uh, Nicole, do you want to go next? Sure, I would say stream it, mute the dialogue, put on an '80s vinyl, and just go to town. <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> Tyler, that's that's so funny. I was literally about to say the exact same thing that you should <laughs> wa- you should watch the movie but mute it. It's like, and then, uh, and then, yeah, maybe pick, um, just pick up the 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 soundtrack for Drive. Nice wave. Or Tangerine yeah. Dream. Anything Tangerine Dream yeah. on this? I'm like, here um, for that. Is visually yeah, that. amazing. Um, I don't think you'll actually miss anything if you don't hear the dialogue. Tyler, is that a stream it from you as well? Indeed, yes. Uh, Taylor, mine's a skip it, and you can watch Suspiria or The Hunger instead. <laughs> okay, there you go. Um, yeah, Suspiria is real good. I, I would go for that. <laughs> so, so fifty-five percent of our fans said skip it. Sixteen uh, percent said airplane it. Twenty-one percent said stream it, oh. and eight percent said see it. No, so don't watch go. this on an airplane. Like That's even, what they said. even less so than under than under the skin. <laughs> uh, yeah, Twelve people said watch it on an airplane. Uh, uh, but thank you uh, once again Nicole, Tyler, Taylor a very good discussion I thought today Um, we are at the end of of this week's episode join us next week for week three of our film club where things continue to get strange Uh, but thank you everybody for writing in and uh, being with us this week go stream some movies thank you for listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast recorded at CFRC at Queen's University in Kingston, Ontario Queen's University sits on the traditional lands of the Haudenosaunee and Anishabi peoples. We would like to thank the Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences and the CFRC Podcast Network.